Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Have We Met podcast. I am your podcast host, Megan Tabor. Today, we have an amazing guest on the podcast. We have the one and only Willow Kai, who is a marketing mentor and also the CMO for Becca Luna Education. Welcome, Willow. Thank you for having me. I'm honestly super excited. I feel like this is like a full full circle moment. For sure. My goal for this first season of my podcast is to interview the people that I feel like have had a huge impact on my business and the way that I work as an entrepreneur. And it's very full circle because I think Willow was my first business coach that I ever had back in, I think, 2020. And when I came to you, I was making probably 500 bucks a month um, doing social media work. And now I own a six-figure business. So it's very full circle. And I am so excited to just dive into all of the amazing knowledge you have around marketing and having an online brand. Yeah, well, let's do it. Yeah, I feel like it has really been a while. I definitely remember that first call that we did, it was right when the pandemic, I feel like was just starting to pick up. Um, you were the first client I had ever worked with in Oklahoma. And yes. it was like right right after um, going on to TikTok, which was just such a cool part of my business because I feel like it immediately just opened me up to such a larger audience that just Instagram had previously had, um, which led to me meeting you. So kind of a loaded question um, for the start. What initially inspired you to become an entrepreneur? What's your story of how you started working in marketing and then eventually had your own online business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say I grew up with both of my parents are entrepreneurs, um, both relatively unsuccessful, but trying really hard. Um, And that definitely gave me the inspiration to at least just not have a conforming schedule, like a nine to five of being in an office and things like that. Um, And it wasn't really until I, it was probably 2014 um, when my now wife, Becca, and I started traveling. Um, She dropped out of high school and I graduated a year early and we uh, decided to take chicken buses throughout Central America. And on that trip, we met a guy um, at a hostel that we were staying at, and he was working on his laptop. And he was the first person that I had ever met. I was 17 years old at the time. First person that I had ever met that worked remote. And he, I believe, was a developer. And he just, we were just hanging out, and he had his laptop with him, and he was also working. And it was at a time of our life where, in order to travel, we would get a job, save up as much money as we could, quit the job, go on the trip, come back, find a new job. And it was a it was a really hard, um, very energetically consuming cycle. And so when we met him, it really just got our minds turning, both of us, to what can we do to at least be remote. Um, at that time, had no idea what being a business owner would be like, or even really the interest in being a business owner, but more so just being remote. Um, and then that really just like opened our minds to what you could do online. And we got really interested in learning with kind of the more modern day education. So started buying um, courses for ourselves, learning about automations, learning about social media at a deeper level. Um, And then beyond that, I think that it was really just kind of diving in and letting all of the experiences and mistakes guide us to now what we have built today. 
That is amazing. So what year was this when you met someone working remote? That was 2014. That is crazy. I feel like, I mean, I wasn't in the whole working remote world back in 2014, but it was probably back then telling your friends and family that you were going to go off and try to do the whole digital nomad working remote thing. You probably sounded crazy to them. Yeah, absolutely. It was at a time where really Instagram had just taken off. Um, I would say like one of one of my biggest regrets in business was not starting on Instagram then as a business rather than just being personal because um, all of the friends that I watched kind of say, hey, let me take this app, new app on as more of more than just like a place to post and a place to actually inspire um, was definitely at the kind of evolvement of the app that they were really pushing people to grow. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super cool. And once we learned that we could be remote, I think that then it was like when all of the doors started opening up, it was like, you could be, how do we start? Let's start being social media managers, start being a virtual assistant, kind of just learning and then really utilizing that opportunity to learn. I feel like that was one of the biggest things that really drew both of us in was Obviously, you have one side, which is college, which you pay a lot for. You don't really get much real-world experience, and then you still have to find the job. Um, whereas this, we found this opportunity that we could make a decent amount at that beginning level. Um, it would be enough to you know, live on your own and pay for life. But also, even more than that was just the amount that you could learn in the real time of like being in a business and making a mistake and learning from it and all that comes with that. Absolutely. So I feel like a lot of people in the online space start out as virtual assistants and kind of the entry level position you have working remote. Yeah. And since then, I know you and Becca have majorly shifted. You know, you shifted into business coaching and Becca eventually um, shifted into web design and, and being a web designer. What would you say? If somebody is in their, you know, online business journey right now, when do you know that you need to make a shift and how do you act on that? It's mm, a good question. I think that when you, I think that there isn't always a time of knowing that it's the time to make a shift. I think sometimes it can happen organically and sometimes you can even kind of put feelers out to see if that shift can happen even maybe before you're ready. And I think that that's really smart because a lot of the times a, a big mistake that I've seen a lot of people in the online space make is make that pivot before they're necessarily ready or before they've gauged their audience's interest in whatever that pivot may be. Um, so I'm a, I'm a very big believer of looking at the audience that you've already built, no matter what size it is, and trying to think about, okay, I understand what I'm offering. I might be offering, you know, VA services to photographers. But when you look at your audience and you look at who's watching you and who's really paying attention to you to really try and think deeper as to how you can serve those people. Um, because I think a lot of the time when we start, we have an idea of who we want to help or who we want to serve. Um, but I think that those experiences and the, the mistakes and things like that can actually lead you to, to figuring out what you like to do. Um, or, or to that point, what you don't like to do. And I think that that's one of the coolest things about starting out as a virtual assistant or social media manager is that you get paid to learn what you like to do. And as a VA, I think anybody who's listening to this can understand and agree that if you're six months into your virtual assistant journey, you have now probably seen and heard and interacted with people that hold titles that you have never 
ever heard of. And I think that that can be daunting and also really inspiring because when you join the online space, you realize that there's so many opportunities beyond just that starting point, um, most of which you wouldn't ever really even be familiarized with if you weren't already in that online space. They're, they're titles and positions that you can't necessarily just jump into, but being that um, kind of that generalist of a virtual assistant that you get to have your hands tied in a lot of different pots um, can be a really awesome opportunity to figure out which pot you want to actually put your energy into. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say if somebody is in that virtual assistant, social media management, you know, maybe even OBM type of role, and they want to kind of delve into learning how to become a web designer and, you know, becoming a part of the web design world, what would you say is their best first step for that? Maybe they don't even know that they are going to be great at web design. Yeah, I think that it's actually pretty likely that you don't know that you're already going to be good at web design because it is jumping into a whole new world of also being creative. It's not just being a business owner. And I think that it's actually really cool to see so many of our students will start to dabble in web design and really realize that they have this whole creative side of them that might have been either suppressed or just not acknowledged in maybe their whole life prior to this. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say really just starting out, if you already hold the role of a virtual assistant or social media manager, just start introducing the service of helping with web design for maybe your pre-existing clients, see if you like it, um, and then start start to learn your skills because the skills and the foundation of especially in design Um, is really cool and different than other roles that you might hold in the online space because you can work on your portfolio at night. Um, It doesn't need to be a real client. You can start working on your design skills, kind of just using mock images or even creating this person in your mind and let me help create them a brand. Um, And all of those things and all of that work can actually start to get you clients. So it's a little bit different than the virtual assisting world, but I think it's a really fun evolution because you... I think you do inevitably hit a ceiling as a VA because you don't you don't necessarily have the ability to charge more than said amount. Um, You can obviously keep on going up and up and up. But as you keep on going up and up and up, you're kind of leaving the world of virtual assisting and becoming a specialist. And so you hit that ceiling and then it's you know, time to grow. And I think web design is one of the amazing routes that you can take, um, especially if you feel creatively inclined the resources, especially that we have now that we give our students specifically, um, we make it pretty easy for people, which is pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Breaking it down to giving intermediate, medium and advanced knowledge, and then also really trying to give all of the resources that we need because, um, and maybe you can even agree to this, Megan, but when you start Mm -hmm. a business, I feel like, especially when you're working with coaches, and I think that I got to kind of live this on the other side of things and then retroactively change how we educate now is as a coach, I feel like a lot of what I've done in the past is just say, Hey, Megan, you know, create this, go do that, find a client, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it is. Um, And in the, in the kind of transition from going from just one-on-one educating to actually going an evergreen model model of really creating a curriculum for people to go through is not just telling them to do something, but instead giving it to them. So all of our students, whether they're launching a new offer or they are thinking about integrating a new offer into their business, we actually will give them all the email campaigns that they need to send to their clients, all of the Asana boards that they need. And and then at the end, really actually giving them 
the designs that they need. They don't have to give us credit. They can sell them as templates. So we really try and make it as easy as possible so that it is almost a copy and paste business. I feel like the course, um, you know, world with business, I learn so much better from versus mm. like having, you know, just a coach that I'm like yeah. meeting with once a week or once a month because then I can actually go back to this, you know, certain little lessons that maybe I'm struggling with more than, you know, other lessons that you have yeah. put up, actually refer back to it, like track my progress and have it all in one place, mm-hmm. not dependent on somebody sitting down with me for an hour and explaining everything to me. So that's yeah, amazing. Absolutely. I love that. So how would somebody shift from say just offering like live coaching to the course, you know, course education type of business? What would be your best piece of advice for that? And maybe some of the roadblocks that people don't think about when setting up you know, a course for somebody to, to buy. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that overall it is a much bigger pivot than I think a lot of people realize it is. It's really going from selling a service to completely being product driven. Um, Mm -hmm. and with that there, I think is a lot more, um, there's a lot more adventure that can happen and a lot more variables within selling because you have all of these products rather than just your time with your time you know, again, similar to being a virtual assistant, you can keep on upping your rate for an hour, but uh, eventually you hit a point where that you don't feel good about or that isn't uh, accessible to people. Um, and it, you know, you just kind of have to reevaluate that where with products, you, especially if you're selling courses and mostly passive products, um, the profit margin is really, really big. And so you have the opportunity to start doing sales. And instead of As a live service provider, I think that a lot of what you're thinking about is planning a new launch or planning a new program and things like that, where when you have courses and products, you really shift into thinking about sales Mm -hmm. Um, and what kind of sales. Is it a flash sale? Is it a BOGO sale? Is it a sale of kind of putting a couple of products together and selling it as a bundle? Are we going to integrate a live piece in? Um, And within all of those ideas, I think I've been definitely having a lot of fun because it's a little bit more consistent than selling your time can be. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating the course, I think, first of all, you need to kind of be ready to start serving the masses more than you're ever able to um, as a one-on-one service provider. I think that there's pros and cons of that, but inevitably your reach is going to get a lot bigger and the impact that you can share is a lot greater than what you can do in a one-on-one capacity. Um to know that you're ready for a course, I don't think that there's necessarily ever a point of being ready. I think that um, being at the point of ready to switching your business into being an educator is probably a bigger bigger question. Um, and when you launch a course, the biggest thing that you wouldn't think about is probably taking on a support email line. Because when you sell products and thousands of products, you have payment issues, you have credit cards that need to get updated, you have questions, all of that. And so I think that that was a, um, was a new piece that I was like, damn, this is a whole, whole new role in the business that um, is really helpful and is definitely one that I did not see being there. I think that that's awesome that shifting kind of from the one-on-one type of services to more course and education things keeps you on your toes and you have to 
you know, completely figure out a new way how to market your services. Yeah. But that's honestly fun for me. It is. You know, just kind of figuring out the puzzle in your head of like, okay, how do I talk to people now that I'm talking to, you know, a thousand people versus five or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. So that yeah. that's awesome. It's fun. Yeah. And it's a, it's a unique role that I hold because I write all of our copy. So anything that goes out on Becca's brand is me writing it. We conceptualize all of our sales together. And so it's a very like unique it's a very unique role because I'm very involved with the students and then also in the sales and the things like, you know, ongoing strategy. So it's been a lot of fun. I love it. Well, my question that I have for you that I'm most excited to ask you, um, I just recently brought my husband on to my team full time. Congratulations. And thank you. Yeah, we're very excited. We're going to be doing a lot of traveling this next year. So it made sense to, you know, really put him like into Met Media more than he already was. So you work with your spouse remotely. What is the secret to working successfully with your significant other? That's a good one. Mm -hmm. um, the secret is... Man, I don't know if there's one. I feel like there's a few. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that the, the couple of things that come to mind is one, you have to be at a point in your relationship that you can fight and also still move forward on whatever that isn't being fought about. Um, obviously, you don't want to fight regularly at all, but it, it inevitably will happen at some point. And I think that the couples that have a really hard time in business um, that fight kind of seeps into other aspects of their life, whatever they were talking about. Um, the other things that come to mind is really, really like focusing on each other's strengths and not the weaknesses and letting those strengths really carry out. Um, I think that one of the unique pieces of working as a couple is obviously like you have your business, you have your real life, you have all of the other things in between, and you don't each need to be good at all of them. And right. so the responsibilities, especially at the end of the day, fall between all of those categories. It's not just business. And so I think that we have, we've, you know, walked the line and, and had our challenges and overcome them, but really figuring out and delegating between like, what are your responsibilities in life and in business? Um, and then also, I think when you do business as a team and you're that close or intimate with your team members, also, like, I think it can become better to outsource things in life that maybe in our online space don't get talked about. I think in our online space, everyone just says outsource lead generation, get a VA, things like that. Right. No one talks about getting a house cleaner and no one talks about yeah. getting like your groceries shopped for you, things like that, that can make your life easier. I think that actually it was not far after coaching you the first time, so a year and a half-ish ago, that we were thinking, okay, we've had VAs, we've had social media managers. I feel like we kind of excel at all of the things that I want my VA to do for me, whether it's like creating the marketing, doing social media posts. I felt like I kind of always would get frustrated because I was like, I truthfully could do this myself. I just don't have the time, but I'm like, I don't know, it's hard. Um, yeah. And so we thought, hmm, let me write out everything that we don't like doing in life. And those are the things that we're going to outsource first. Um, and they honestly changed our life of getting just people to help you and support you in the ways that you really want, where I think in our online space, 
a lot of people feel like they are almost told what they should need help with and then (laughs) do that. And sometimes they're like, damn, well, this person doesn't really serve a great role on my team, or I don't feel like I'm getting the most efficiency out of it because I don't really know what it's even doing. Um, And so I think that the outsourcing things to make life even easier inevitably makes business a lot more fun and a lot more efficient. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a deeper one in the relationship part, but I feel like I, I don't know, I guess the last part is to really try and keep business fun. I think that when you do it alone, you can really get into negative ruts. You can have uh, clients that are super challenging and experiences that, Uh, at least in my personal experience, have kind of stuck with me a bit more than when I am in a business with somebody else. You can talk about it. You can talk the Mm -hmm. shit. You can get over it. You can get past it. Um, And I think that that and really just trying to keep business as fun as you possibly can really helps the business grow. Uh, I think that one of the really unique pieces and honestly, a piece that I'm super grateful for that you might be able to relate to is that when you have somebody else so close to you in business, you can kind of live in a state of celebrating. There's mm-hmm. always something at the end of the day to feel like you accomplished. And when you set yourself lots of little goals and you're even now working with somebody else that has their own goals, you have a lot of things that you can celebrate and staying in that mindset of kind of always celebrating and always just being open to those new opportunities, I think has helped us honestly like sell a ton. <laughs> I totally relate to that. Trent and I, anytime we like make a big sale or like land a new client or hit a new, you know, revenue goal or anything like that, we're like, okay, we got to go out to sushi. We got to go get all the wine. Like it's so much fun to have somebody else in business that you're already close to Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, rant about the things that you're frustrated about and they, they know, you know, exactly how you feel because they're in it with you. Um, So I love that. Yeah. And also just to say like those celebratory dinners, like they're all write-offs. And so that is is another really huge perk of being in the online or just really even owning a business with your significant other is that so much of your lifestyle is business and therefore Mm -hmm. so much of your lifestyle is your business's expense, um, which I think for, for us has been a really, really honestly, like a really big challenge to learn. I think the taxes and like managing money. I think that when you start out in the online space, I want like a six figure business. I want 10 K months. I want a million dollar business. Like the numbers are kind of what stay at the top of the mind. And then sometimes when you hit those accomplishments or hit those, you know, metrics, it's like, damn, there's actually a lot of work that comes with this. And like, you know, how do I navigate all of these new parts of growth? Um, but overall trying to get as much of your life to be your business expense is definitely something that's been a fun, but very rewarding project. Yeah, for sure. So with all the traveling you all do, do you all write off any of that or do you get to, if you're creating content while you're there? Yes. Um, so lots of our travel, um, is business because we have about 1300 students right now, um, Mm -hmm. all around the world. And so we like to meet them on our trips. We like to, um, I don't know, we have team meetings, we meet clients. Honestly, a lot of our clients we do meet in person now, which has been super fun. Um, And again, all around the world. And so if you can plan a trip to meeting somebody and you meet them on a Friday, you can write off your whole weekend expense. And so it definitely, I I don't know, I would say that I'm not at the point where I could give advice on it, but it is (laughs) definitely a... um, 
you know, something that we are definitely trying to get as good as we possibly can with, mm-hmm. um, even clothes for photo shoots, um, yep. $5,000 a month for rent. Um, exactly. because yeah, you get, uh, you can do a monthly board meeting in your home and actually rent it out to your business, which is a really, there you go. really great little hack. I'm going to go to our rapid fire questions to end the interview, um, okay. which is kind of like my my favorite part of doing these interviews so far. So here we go. One, your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur in one word. Freedom. Freedom. Love it. Your favorite thing about working remote in one word? Control. And number three, if you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? Uh, I would say to be okay with not knowing what's next. That's the most exciting thing about life, I think, is not knowing what's next. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's the most intimidating and exciting Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Willow. Where can people find you and learn from you and Becca about the online space and being web designers, the whole shebang? Absolutely. Um, honestly, the best place to connect is on our podcast, the Wealthy Wild podcast. It's available on all streaming platforms. Uh, recently just got rolled out on Amazon, which is kind of exciting. Um, and then also willowkai.com, W-I-L-L-O-W-K-A-I-I on Instagram, TikTok, website, all the things. And yeah, I can't wait to connect. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Have We Met podcast this week. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to subscribe to our show on your preferred listening platform and give us a five-star review. Your support means the world to us. If you're interested in working with Met Media for social media support in your business, head to metmediastudio.com for more info. And for even more free business value and social media advice, follow us on Instagram at MetMediaCo and on TikTok at Meg Tabor. Until next time, this is Megan signing off.